So let's take our Bibles and guess where we're going to go? Hebrews 11, that's right. And uh, when we're done with this series, we're going to have a quiz to see how many of the verses in Hebrews 11 you know. And uh, the first three you ought to have down. You ought to have those memorized, amen? And uh, we are going to read those again. And he used our verse in Romans 1. Uh, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The natural tendency for every believer is to live by sight, because that's what makes sense to us. Have you ever noticed that the will of God and the way of God doesn't make sense? Just absolutely does not. Um, And that's because in, in Isaiah 55, he tells us that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And uh, so let's look there at Hebrews 11, verses 1 to 3. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We have been talking about faith and uh, what it means to live by faith. We're going to read on down into verse number, well, let's see, jump down to verse number 32. We'll not read the whole passage through the end of the chapter. Um, We'll just read verse number 32 for today. And what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. Here we see a little bit of a change in how God lists the people he's going to talk about. In Hebrews 11, he's been highlighting individuals of faith. And for some of them... Uh, he gives us a lot of detail. He'll, he'll give us several verses. We see that about uh, Moses. We saw it about Abraham. Uh, others, uh, he, he then will, will uh, just give us maybe one verse. But in this one verse, God lists four judges, a king, and, uh, and Samuel, and then the prophets, a whole group of people. And, and then the rest of the verses make some comments about them and about what their faith was like. This morning, we're going to look at that verse again, verse number 32. We looked at it a little bit last week. Let's pray, and we'll, uh, we'll get into the lesson. Father, help us this morning as we study and we look into the life of Gideon. I pray you'd help us in, in our thinking to be, be focused on the Scriptures. I pray that you would help us to understand these, these truths about this man of God. And I pray you'd use the thoughts this morning to challenge us and to help us this week in our walk with you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we see here in uh, in this verse, last week we talked a little bit about the bridge going from the life of Joshua into the Judges. And that was just a difficult time for the children of Israel. Uh, We looked at at kind of a little bit of the setting. Joshua had died. The, and Eleazar the priest had died. The two of them had, had divided the land and, and caused the children of Israel to conquer and to, to get all their possessions. And now we saw that Israel had a lack of leadership. And leadership is so important. I like what Dr. Lee Robertson is famous for saying. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And, and we, we, we saw in the children of Israel the, the cycle that, that began in the book of Judges, where Israel would sin, uh, they turned away from God, they began to serve idols, and, and we saw last, reason, last week one of the reasons for that is that they, they had an incomplete obedience. They didn't drive out the inhabitants of the lands. They tried to make a, 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 an agreement with them. They compromised. 
And, and so they began to serve the gods of, of the land. And, and uh, so they turned to idols. Then God would judge them. He would allow them to be conquered by their enemy. Israel would cry out to God. He would send a deliverer. That's what the judges were. And then uh, Israel would repent. And they would start the cycle all over again. And, and, and if you're depressed, don't read the book of Judges. Because it's just one of those. You, you know, it makes you wonder, why didn't God just say, enough, zap. You know, and just call fire down out of heaven, whatever. Uh, so we, last week we looked at, 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 at the, the children of Israel, that some of the people had stopped going forward for God. We saw uh, the leadership is important. We saw that, that partial obedience will not bring God's blessing. And the last thing we looked at was sin has consequences. And this, this morning we're going to look here in the life of, of Gideon. And we, we saw the condition of the land. Now I want us to see the character of the leader. Uh, take your Bibles, keep your marker here in Hebrews. But let's go to Judges chapter number 6. Judges 6. And we find where God identifies Gideon and he calls him. Beginning of verse number 11 of Judges chapter 6. There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in... Oprah, and uh, that the people uh, that pertained unto Joash, the, the Abizarite, and the, his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? You ever been there? If God's with me, why am I facing all these problems? Well, we know what we looked at last week, they were facing all this because of their sin. You know, sometimes uh, we're, we're looking for somebody to fix the situation, to fix the, the symptoms, but we don't want to fix the problem. You know, we hear the saying all the time, well, everything happens for a reason. Well, sometimes the reason is you're stupid and you make really bad decisions. That's the reason, all right? We always try to, we say that to kind of blame that on, you know, God, what are you doing to us? Well, it, you caused it. And it says, where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And by the way, the Lord had never forsaken them. He was judging them. And the Lord looked upon him and said, go in this thy might. And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And he said to him, O my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midian, Midianites as one man. Uh, we see some things about Gideon and and. I've preached a lot of messages about him, and I'm going to refer to a message some of you may have heard me preach um, about him. But the first thing I see about him, this great man of faith. I mean, here God says to him, uh, thy mighty, thou mighty man of valor. The first thing we see about him, he was fearful. Look at this. He, it says that he was, he was threshing wheat by the wine press. Now, you know how they thresh wheat. They would throw it up into the air. They would let the wind blow uh, the chaff away and the grain would fall down under the sheet that they had, you know, pressed out there. He's doing that in a pit. <laughs> I can just see it now. He's hiding from the Midianites. He's got this wheat that he needs to separate the chaff from. And he's going, 
You know, I mean, he's, you know, just mighty man of valor. You know, a real strong guy here. He's hiding. All right? That was him. Uh, he, he, was, he wasn't threshing wheat in a proper place. It was just in a private place. It's interesting when you get to Judges 7 and the story when they went to spy out the Midianites. And God tells him after they've divided the land, they've got it down from, you know, they're down to 300 men after having, you know, the, 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 the thousands. And, and now they're, they're facing, you know, 200,000 enemy. He's got 300. And God tells him, go spy out the Midianites. Just you go down there and look at their camp. And it's interesting in Judges 7, verse 10. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Phura thy servant down to the host. He had a servant named Phura. And I, I wish I had time to talk about Phura this morning. I have a whole sermon on him. But uh, he said, if you're afraid to go, take Phura. You find the next verse, he took Phura. You know what that tells us? He was afraid. You know, it, it's, it, it, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. We're not supposed to be afraid. We're not supposed to be afraid of what this life brings to us. We're not supposed to be afraid of serving God. But the truth is, we are. Amen? Uh, Romans 8, verses 14 and 15, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Sometimes we think that leaders, you know, pastors and Sunday school teachers and deacons and even parents, they're super saints. They're never afraid of anything. That's just not the way it really is. Uh, this is where Brother Mark got real close to my outline this morning. How many times did Jesus say to the disciples, be not afraid? He said it over and over again. We saw the scripture there in, in, in Matthew 8, 23. O ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You realize who he's talking to when he says that? The ones who left everything. They forsook all and followed him. Yet Jesus said, why'd you doubt? So what he's saying. All of us, like Gideon, we could be people of faith. We can be people of great faith, but still have fear. We're going to see how this plays in the life of Gideon. He was afraid. Uh, he, he was a man that, that he had opportunity to do something great for God, but he was afraid. God was calling him to a great uh, task and pu- putting him in a position to lead the children of Israel. And we read chapter 7, he had an amazing victory. We missed part of it. You know, we talk about he gets down to the 300 and they put the Midianites to flight. But it says later on in that chapter that those who had gone home, remember we said everybody's afraid to go home, and 22,000 did? Guess what? They came back and got in the fight. If you have stopped serving God and quit going forward for God, you can get back to it. And they did in the life of Israel, and they chased the Midianites. And, and, and we see that even though their leader was a man of faith, but he had fear. He had to learn to deal with that. Uh, we see, look at verses 14, again, 14 and 15 again. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, for thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? He had just talked about verse 13. Gideon had said, no, wait a minute. Why are we in this situation? Why is all this stuff befalling us? Where are all the miracles? We heard everything that happened. Remember what we talked about last week? How that the people, the children of Israel served God all the days of Joshua? And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen the great works of the Lord. And then there rose up another generation which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. 
One generation, Joshua knew God and he knew his works. The next generation knew God and knew about his works. They'd heard other people tell the story, but it never happened to them. Preacher, uh, one of the greatest reasons I think believers, church members, and pastors ought to go to the mission field, you hear all the stories of the mission field, but you go and see them yourself. Man, I have so many stories from Papua New Guinea, the times I've been there, things that uh, some of the stories I won't tell people that I want to go with me to go there because they'll never get on the plane. <laughs> Let's just tell you one real quickly. When I first, the first time I went there 10 years ago, I was sitting uh, with the missionary that I was working with. We were in the capital, Port Moresby. We were going to fly to the little island of Daru, and from there we were going to go up into the bush where he, his ministry was at the time. And we're sitting at a restaurant, and he gets a phone call from one of the men on the island of Daru. He said, Preacher, there are, there are a group of men waiting for you. They heard you are coming with, with the, the, the preacher tomorrow, and they're waiting for you at the airport, and they plan to capture you and anyone with you. They do not want to do nice things to you. And he said, there's about 20 guys, and they're waiting for you. They're all over town. They're waiting by the airport. And, and he's telling me this story. I was like, wait a minute. They're waiting on us? I'm like, yeah. It's like, what are we going to do? He said, I don't know yet. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, I feel like the Apostle Paul right now. Actually, I feel like I'm, I'm maybe Luke with the Apostle Paul, and this is not going to be good. Maybe I'm Silas. We're going to go to jail. And uh, they were people very, very angry. They wanted to kill him. And uh, he said, what did you, you guys do? We waited an extra day. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, by the time we got there, they had dispersed and some authorities had gotten in there. That stuff's real. In our faith, sometimes we, we, we get this idea that it's all going to be easy and, and that, that you know, all, everything's going to work out just fine. And here's, here's Gideon said, wait a minute, Lord, it's, it's not what we expected. And, of course, the reason they were in that situation was because of their sin. He says, where be all the miracles? We've heard about them. What about now? Well, God's getting ready to do something with 300 men and chase off an entire country. Why? Because God was going to show up. He said in verse number 14, go, this in thy, go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least... In my father's house. Not only was Gideon fearful, but the second thing I see about him, and this is one of his strengths, he was humble. Gideon didn't say, Oh, yeah, I'm going to chase them off. No, here was a guy hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. You see, sometimes we get the idea that, you know, when God chooses us for, for a particular thing to do, you know, we're like, Okay, God says, I want you to do this. Good choice, God. No, that wasn't Gideon. You know, one of the biggest things that we face as believers is pride. You know, we hear a lot of preaching about, you know, against all the sins you can see on the outside. We're good at preaching about, you know, having your hair cut right, carrying the right Bible, and drinking, you know, and not drinking the wrong thing, and not smoking, and not running around. We hear about that kind of preaching. We don't hear a whole lot about the heart sins. And the truth is, that's where most of us struggle. I don't think there's anybody in this room going to go rob a bank this week. I don't think any of us are going to murder anybody, but we might have some hatred towards somebody, and Jesus said, that's murder. Yeah. 
Yeah, we don't like that preaching. It gets way too close and personal. Here we find Gideon when God says, I'm going to use you to save Israel. And he said, who am I? Our family's poor. We're nobody. And I'm the least in my father's house. And God says, okay, I got you where I can use you. When God used King Saul, it was when he was little in his own sight. When God called Saul, where was he? He was hiding among the stuff. He didn't want to be in front of people. At the end of his life, when he had all the problems, when was it? He had gotten proud and thought it was him, not God. Proverbs 6, beginning of verse 16 says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Notice it didn't say six things the Lord just not like. No, it says he hates them. And the first one he lists on there is a proud look. What was Satan's problem? He got proud. Like, I will be the mo- like the Most High. Uh, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. One of the things we have to, we have to struggle with as believers is to not get pride. You know, as a, as a preacher, especially when God uses you, and we get to thinking, well, yeah, yeah, he, you know, God did that. And I was able to do that through God. And, and we start talking about it. And I think we talk too much about it. And all of a sudden, we can't quit bragging on God. And we say, we did that. And the truth is, we didn't. When Gideon has the great victory, it has nothing to do with Gideon. His battle plan is ridiculous. I mean, it's as bad as marching around the city for seven days. What's the, what's the plan? Get your army from 32,000 down to 300. And, and then divide the 300 into three groups. So you got little groups of 100 people in three different places. All right, in the middle of the night, I want you to, to bust some, some pictures and reveal the lamps you have and blow a trumpet and shout the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Great battle plan. But that was God's plan. But our problem is we get to thinking it was us. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud but giveth grace unto the humble. Did you catch that? God resisteth the proud. That means he pushes you back. I don't want God working against me. When does it happen? When we get proud. That's what happened in the life of Saul. Gideon was a humble man. 1 Peter 5, 5, Likewise ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. We won't look at it this morning, we won't turn to it, but in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah's in the middle of the throne room of God. And he sees the, the beasts there that are crying, holy, holy, holy. And he hears the, you know, all of this praise of God. And he looks around, he sees God in his majesty. And he says in Isaiah 6, 5, Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the, Lord, the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was humbled when he saw the greatness and holiness of his God and it revealed to him his own wickedness and sin. It is then that God spoke to Isaiah 
and, and said, he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then said, I hear him, I send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. Hear ye indeed, uh, uh, but understand not. You see indeed, uh, but you perceive not. He was called when, <clears throat> when he was humbled. Heard the story, and you've all probably heard it, where <clears throat> an old preacher was watching a young preacher in a church service. Young preacher got up just full of pride, and he was all cocky when he got to the pulpit, and he, you know, put his Bible down, and, and he started into his message and, and just really struggled and stumbled and stammered. And, and after just a little while, you know, he was very dejected and just stopped preaching and went and sat down. Never finished his sermon. The old preacher got up said, young man, if you had come up like you went down, you could have stayed here a little longer. Our problem is we think it's us. Gideon said, I am the least in my father's house. He knew that it had nothing to do with him. You see, God does not use us because of us. He uses us in spite of us. God doesn't look down and say, oh, man, there's a jewel right there. I'm going to use that. No, he, he looks for those that are willing to give him all the credit. In 2 Corinthians 10, 17, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. You know, even when when we're talking to people, and and I've heard this publicly where people, well, you know, they'll they'll start bragging about what's going on. Well, it's not about me. Well, the fact you've said that means it's about you. You know what I'm talking about? Man, I've seen it. That's pride. Uh, let the Lord do the promoting. Let the Lord brag about you. Uh, I, I remember hearing Dr. Tom Malone say, uh, what, he said, he that tooteth not his own horn shall forever go with his horn untooted. You know, we're not supposed to do that. Let the Lord talk about who we are, what we've done. Then we can be like Job, you know, in Job 1.8. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and eschew with evil. What happened? God bragged on Job. He's the one that brought Job up to Satan. Every time I read that preacher, I think, like, God bragged on somebody else. Talk about Brother Mark. Leave me alone. He says again in chapter 2, verse 3, And the Lord said, Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect man and upright, one that feareth God and is true with evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. Yeah, let God brag on you, but be ready for testing. We saw that in, in what Brother Mark was bringing out. Your faith is going to be tested. Learn to just serve God in humility. Uh, when he chooses you to do something... Realize it's him. You get to be the vessel he's going to use. You're the tool he took out of the toolbox. But, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of tools in my garage. But I am not a mechanic. I, I'm not even a good parts changer. If I know what parts broken, I might get it off. My favorite tool is the, the, the smoke wrench. You know what I'm talking about? A settling cutting torch. You can't get that bolt off, I'll cut that thing off. Amen? I'm not a mechanic. But you take the same set of tools in the hand of a man who is a, a skilled mechanic, and it, it's like an orchestra when you're watching that, right? You realize it's not the tool. It's the one using the tool. And you and I are just tools in the hand of God. And, and here Gideon 
when God said, I'm going to use you, why me? That's why. Because you're humble. You're going to allow me to do uh, what I want to do. I mean, I, I don't have time to develop that any further. I want you to look back in, in Judges chapter 6. Let's see, we'll go all the way down to verse number 34. The Bible says in Judges 6, 34, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezar was gathered after him. Notice, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Gideon did nothing in the power of his flesh that accomplished anything for God. What he did for God was under the power of the Holy Spirit. Third thing about Gideon, not only was he fearful, was he humble, but he was spirit-filled. The Bible tells us in Romans 7, verse 18, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Paul was reminding us that in our flesh, in of ourselves, there's nothing good. Amen? We're not. If there's anything good that happens in us or through us, it's because of a holy and a righteous and powerful God. Gideon understood that. The Bible tells us in Acts 1-8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the innermost part of the earth. You understand what was going on there? Jesus was speaking to the 11 men he had spent the last three and a half years training. They were the most well-trained leaders and preachers of their day. But Jesus said, you can't do anything until you receive power from me. Doesn't matter all the training, all the skill. They were the first graduates of the Master's Bible Institute. Amen. They were, they were ready to go, but only after they waited in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. They had to wait for the endowment of power that came upon them. Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Pastor dealt with this, I think, last Sunday. <clears throat> that analogy there is that when a person is drunk, they are controlled by the liquor. You ever notice somebody that's, that's, that's inebriated, they'll say things they would not normally say. We've all heard the statement of a, a woman that's, that's living with an abusive husband. Well, when he's sober, he's a sweet and kind man. But when, he gets, when he's drunk, you know, he's this. And, and it's true, he's completely controlled by the liquor. And, and, and he's saying, okay, you understand that. I, I love how the scriptures take something we know to use it to explain something we don't understand. So do you understand what alcohol does to us? Where you are, when you're controlled by the alcohol, when you're filled with the alcohol, you're controlled by it. You will have strength you don't normally have. You will, you will have boldness you don't normally have. He said, that's what, how I want you to be in my spirit. So controlled by him. You will say things you would not normally say. You will do things you would not normally do. It was not normal for Gideon to take 300 men and circle an enemy and then attack. How did that happen? By the spirit of God. If you're going to be a leader of faith, if you're going to be a Christian that is known for your faith, you'll have to be filled with God's Spirit. Uh, quickly, go over to the book of Acts, chapter number 4. have got just enough time to look at this one, I think. Look at verse number 29. Of course, this is after they had been arrested for healing the lame man in chapter 3. Acts 4, verse number 29. This is their prayer after they'd been beaten and, and told not to preach anymore in his name. Verse number 29 of Acts 4, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, 
and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. That wasn't natural for those disciples. The natural thing was what happened on the day of the crucifixion. They hid, they hid themselves. But when they were endued with power from God, they, sp- they spake the word of God with boldness. Uh, Gideon was willing to take those 300 men against 200,000, not because he was a great soldier, not because he was a fierce warrior, but because he, he was willing because he had enough faith to just believe God. Uh, Judges chapter 7, we have the story I told you very quickly about uh, with, with Fura. Fura was the servant of Gideon. He's only mentioned by name in just two or three verses. He's referred to in a couple more. And he was the servant of, of, of Gideon. And when God came to him in verse number 10, but if thou fear to go down, go thou with food to thy servant down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say. And afterwards thou, thine hand shall be strengthened to go down to the host. Then went he down with Fubra his servant unto the outside of the armed men that were with the host. We see that Gideon does go and spy out the Midianites. But he didn't do it without a Fubra. The last thing I see about Gideon that we'll talk about today is this. Not only was he fearful, he was humble, he was spirit-filled, but he needed encouragement. Gideon would have never been the leader he was supposed to be had there not been a little servant that's only mentioned by name in two verses who was just there. There's not a single word in your Bible attributed to Fura. None. But he was there. And that's what Gideon needed. God sent a Fura to encourage him, just like Moses had Aaron and her. We find Jesus when he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says that the angels came and ministered to him. That's why God put a man by the name of Joseph in the New Testament church at Jerusalem. You don't know him by that name. You know him by the name Barnabas. Why the disciples changed his name because he was an encourager. That's what Barnabas means. Lessons of faith from the life of Gideon. Faith is choosing to believe God rather than living in fear. Faith causes you to be humble. You realize it's all God anyway. Faith comes from being filled with God's Spirit. You know, Philippians uh, 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Faith is allowing others to encourage you to believe God. Last verse, Hebrews 10.24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We ought to be trying to help each other. We ought to provoke each other. We ought to be encouraging each other to go forward for God. Thank God for a man like a Gideon who was humble. He was was fearful, but he was spirit-filled, and he had an encourager. What an amazing story of Gideon. There's, there's a few more things we'll talk about him in another lesson. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the example of your servant Gideon. May we be people of faith like him, realizing even in our natural fear, we can trust you, be filled with your spirit, and serve you in humility. I pray you'd use us this week to be a Gideon. Help us to be an encourager to a Gideon. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.